The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter in the guest co-host chair is Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip and today's guest Ole Miss Interim Athletics Director Keith Carter he's stepping in as Ross Bjork is stepping out to go to Texas A&M announced as the interim late last week early this week by Larry Sparks he's the interim chancellor I know I've got as many questions as you do about this and I'm going to talk to Keith in just a little bit about a number of different issues he's in Destin right now the SEC meetings in Destin are going on and the big topic of conversation is beer sales in stadiums where does Keith stand on that What about the overall trajectory of Ole Miss athletics, football season ticket sales? But right now, it's Ben and Hip. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. The Oxford Regional announced on Monday. I talked to Colin about it for the first podcast this week with Greg Kessinger as the guest. So if you haven't checked that out, go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, or to SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions, iTunes, Talk of Champions. Just check it out. Greg Kessinger was great. But the Oxford Regional announced, talked about with Colin Brister, Clemson's the number three, Illinois the number two, Jacksonville State the number four, Ole Miss and Jacksonville State will play at 7 p.m. Central time on Friday. What do you think of the field? As tough as the regional was last year and getting a team like Tennessee Tech that just hit the ball just at an unbelievable level, I think this is as good of a draw as Ole Miss could have asked for. You got a lot of respect from the committee. You're the number 12 national seed. It's not three cupcakes, but it's a it's a solid to okay Illinois team, a solid Clemson team. 
Um, and then a four seed. I think Jacksonville State's got a good arm, but I, I think if you're Ole Miss, this is about a good of a regional as you could ask for. You have a unique perspective on Clemson. You're from that area. I don't know much about Clemson. Tell me about them. I was wearing a Clemson shirt on Monday, on Memorial Day. We were just grilling out and uh, turn on the selection show, and sure enough, the uh, the Tigers pop up in the Oxford Regional. They're fine. They've got some good wins. But they've just been really inconsistent and just haven't really – they don't have a ton of high-end talent. They don't have the talent level that Ole Miss does. They've got a couple good arms, some good left-handed arms in the bullpen that could give Ole Miss some trouble. But they don't have a ton of depth. There's not a ton of depth there on the pitching side to get their way through a regional. So I think if you're Ole Miss, you feel pretty good about that. I know both Illinois and Clemson are holding their guys, their their aces, or number one starters for Saturday – but I don't know that either of those guys, while they're left, both left-handed and both are pretty decent, I don't know that either of those guys really put a scare into Ole Miss. If it's not like they're uh, facing some kind of big-time Nick Lanolo or Alex Manoa or anybody like that draft prospect-wise. So Clemson's fine. If you kind of just roll out your kind of average to good Power 5 team, that's very much Clemson. They're, they're just okay. Jacksonville State has won its last 12 games, 16 of its last 17. They're 26-7. and seven since late April. It's not like Ole Miss is getting a pushover when it takes on Jacksonville State on Friday. They're going to pitch Garrett Farmer. He has 100 and – no, yeah, like 114 strikeouts to 12 walks in 100 innings. He's been really good. Ole Miss is undecided on whether it'll start Will Etheridge or Doug Nikhazy. I think it's in their best interest to start Doug Nikhazy. I think that if they can get through that with Doug and then throw Will and hold their ace as Clemson – and Illinois are both doing, it would serve them well. I think it sets them up better. So I think that would be a pretty savvy move if Mike Bianco decides to go that way, as he said he was thinking about going on the Rebel Yo Hotline on Monday. Yeah, I definitely think about it, especially now knowing that that both of those teams are going to hold their guys on Friday and you'll be facing a, their, their top guy on Saturday if you win. And you know, Jacksonville State's good, but I don't know that they're good enough to where, I, where you feel like, oh, man, we've got to throw Etheridge here and, and just make sure Doug's been really good. You'll have a rested bullpen. If you have to use some guys on Friday in relief, I think you feel pretty good knowing that you've got your guy Saturday and you can get some innings out of him. So we'll see what Mike does. That's really not usually the way he goes, but I think if you were going to do it, this would be the time too, and I think it worked out well for Ole Miss. Nikhazy's been great. I think you'd be totally fine rolling him out on Friday night. The biggest threat to Ole Miss is Illinois or Clemson in your mind? It's a good question. Um I'll say Clemson just because I know more about them. I don't know a whole lot about Illinois outside of reading the the stats and reading some stuff about them. Uh, I think they're probably the better team, but I think there's a value that comes with playing in the ACC and, and playing in a better league um, that, that, that Clemson has that, El- that Illinois doesn't. So I'll say Clemson, uh, but I think it's pretty even. I, I think both teams, I think there's about a, even of a two and three seasons you're going to find in this draw. Last year's Ole Miss team was better overall than this Ole Miss team. Everyone agrees on that. But I think this Ole Miss team is better positioned to make a run in the postseason than last year's team. And I'm going to tell you why. First of all, the draw, like you mentioned, is better compared to last year. Ole Miss, their number three starter was James McArthur. You didn't know which James McArthur you were getting on a given day. It <laughs> right. could be the guy who goes out there and stuffs it for six or seven or the one who throws batting practice and is out by two and a half, three innings. This Ole Miss is better positioned pitching-wise. Gunnar Hoagland 
has had a hell of a run the last couple of weeks. I think three of his last four starts, if memory serves. He's gone at least six innings. Will Etheridge, woefully, woefully underrated as far as nationally the way he's pitched and really performed on Friday nights. And then Doug Nikhazy, everything and more you could have possibly asked for on that Saturday roll. So I think this team is better positioned for it to make that run. But They're relying on pitching, and that's what's going to be their calling card for the next couple of years with Nikhazy and Hoagland leading the rotation. But even with two true freshmen, they're better than last year, and they don't have that offensive juggernaut coming in that could take advantage of a number three in James MacArthur that, on his bad day, was really bad. I, I don't know if I'm misguided here, but I just feel a different air about it. And it's strange because we all watched this team all year. We watched how up and down they were. Right. And yet, in Hoover, as they performed, they did it through pitching. And then the offense that had been so streaky came on in the final two days. And yes, they lost to Vanderbilt. That's the best team in the country, in my opinion. But that's because they ran out of arms. They're not going to run out of arms in a typical three, four-game weekend. I think they could start this weekend 2-0 and and feel more than comfortable going into that third game, throwing Gunnar Hoagland, knowing that Gunnar Hoagland has figured something out. Am I misguided here? No, I don't think so. I don't think that Jacksonville State's good enough to have a day and beat Ole Miss. And I don't think Illinois and Clemson are good enough to have a day and beat Ole Miss. I, I think the only thing that's going to keep Ole Miss from, you know, last year, Tennessee, Texas hit everything. They went out and won games in that regional. Ole Miss helped them out a little bit, obviously, and really struggled at the plate. But Tennessee's Tech won that regional legitimately by just hitting the cover off the ball for three days. I don't think any of the teams in this regional that Ole Miss matched up against this year are going to go out and do it. I don't think they're going to go out and take it from them. I think if, if Ole Miss were to lose, it would have to be kind of self-inflicted wounds. Ole Miss would have to really be throwing around defensively or just not throw strikes on the mound and kind of give some teams some games. But I just don't think there's that kind of team that's going to come out and just kind of dominate um, as a two or a three seed that like we saw last season. So it's much more manageable from that point, I think, if you're Ole Miss. It's crazy to think the way the season ended, losing six of their last seven, that a week of good baseball in Hoover, followed by potentially getting out of your own regional, the whole book that has been written about this team will be wiped out and changed. And how you remember this team will be far different than what we thought you would remember this team for a couple of weeks ago. Baseball is a funny game, I get that. But I don't think anyone could have expected the worm to turn like it has and to turn so quickly. No, and it's weird. This is the same thing that happened last year, but it, it feels different. I don't, I'm not really sure why it feels different. Maybe it's just this, this group of guys, the fact that they're a little bit more pitching-centric and it's not they don't have the Fortes and guys like that to carry the lineup. So it's three good starters and a couple good bullpen arms, and they kind of make it work and – have seemingly found an identity that they've been looking for all season. They made the same run in Hoover last year, and they made it again this year. But this team, this kind of mood around it, whatever you want to call it, it feels different. It feels better. It feels more sustainable. And we'll see if, if that kind of works out that way this weekend or not. But it certainly feels that way and certainly kind of feels like they've kind of hit their stride both from a – mental standpoint and just on the field, they've kind of figured things out and how to how to make it work. I'm reading an article on NCAA.com. The four toughest regional draws, according to NCAA.com, the Oxford mm -hmm. Regional, Baton Rouge, Morgantown, Atlanta. 
I don't buy that at all. I think states regional is more difficult than Ole Miss. I, I would, the reason, you know, I, I can kind of understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, for me, I don't think there's a from a high end talent standpoint. When you look at Illinois and Clemson, they just don't have those dudes, and they're good teams. But I don't know that either of those two are striking fear in anybody. And then Jacksonville State's uh, probably one of the better four seeds uh, with a with a good arm on Friday. I, I just I don't look at that regional and look at the numbers and everything. I, if if this really is one of the four toughest regionals, then everybody has easy regionals this year. So I, 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 that that surprises me. I, I would not have them as the one of the four. I know. Uh, Baseball America did not have this one as one of its tougher regionals. Ole Miss hasn't been to a Super since 2014, the last time they've been to Omaha since the 70s. If they don't get out of this regional, which would be more disappointing, last year or this year? Uh, Well, I I think it'll be last year um, just because, fairly or not, it was Tennessee Tech on the jerseys, and it's an OVC team, and this this was a team with a first-round pick, and you had guys like Nick Fortes who um, just were really hitting really well and went high in the draft, and that team was just kind of destined. There was a, a real destiny about that team. This year feels a little different, and it would certainly be disappointing, but I think expectations were so sky-high last year, and that felt like a team that – get out of that regional, go to the Supers and make a run and, and really have a chance to win a title and just to not even get out of the regional and doing it the way that they did probably makes it the more disappointing one of the two if they were to happen. If you could take one player off of last year's team and put it on this one, who would it be? Mine would be Nick Fortes. It would be Fortes for sure. Just one more bat in the lineup and, and a guy that hit for power. But the big thing for me is his approach is so good. He just got on base all the time. Clutch moments, wasn't afraid of them, never really kind of got shook in the moment or anything like that. So obviously you you could look on the mound with a couple of arms. Ralston would be nice to have for sure. But I, I think it'd be Fortes for sure for me as well. Yeah, Fortes. I'd put him in right field. Cooper hitting like he hit all year. I know it was a little bit of a struggle toward the end, but he was great against Vanderbilt. And he's played really well defensively. If any player on the roster this year has the best chance to go high in the draft, I think it's Cooper. Now, Gray's not that far off, but Cooper's that guy. You put Nick in right field, holy crap, this team becomes much more dangerous. Yeah, it, it's, it, it really fixes the one kind of area that you're weak at. And it's not really a positional thing. It's more of a lineup thing. This team now for the last few weeks has been they're going to pitch it. And now it's just about whether the offense shows up and is great, good, bad, average, and that kind of dictates how this team plays. And I think adding a guy like Nick to the lineup would kind of jump your guys up a bunch. And so just to know that um, one more really good quality, high-level hitter could really change everything for them would just be really, really great. So I think he's the easy choice. Great Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, all of that number one class. Did they need an Omaha appearance on their resume for their legacies to be secure at Ole Miss? Um, I don't know that you need a, an Omaha. I, I think you for sure need a super. Uh, and I think you got to go play a super and play well. And uh, at that point, I think you're kind of, your legacy is set. You you, you advance or pass a regional. You got to a super. Um, if they if they go to one, it'll probably be on the road in Fayetteville. And that's a team that Ole Miss has played pretty well. So, no, I don't think Omaha is required. I certainly think that it would be kind of poetic. The number one class comes in and, and while it's not the number one class, they don't have all those guys on campus right now, but to kind of get it in their last shot together, I think it'd be really poetic, but no, 
get 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 a super, uh, win a regional in Oxford, take this team to a super, and see where it goes. And I think that's more than enough to kind of lock down their their legacy. I think they secured that legacy by salvaging a regional host in Hoover this week or last week. I think so. I, I think it's certainly. Um, I think it would have been tougher had they been a two seed somewhere. And even if they had won the regional, it's just different with this program, with this team, with this fan base. Hosting a regional means so much. And um, to do what they did to make that run, to get the national seed, to get the regional in Oxford. But I think they've got to win one. I think they've really got to win one. If last year had gone differently, had it been a different team besides Tennessee Tech, had it whatever, maybe they wouldn't have. But I think for legacy purposes, they've got to win this one. And, and put this one in the bag and, and kind of uh, whether they make the Omaha or not, I think this team winning a regional at home just to kind of put some of the demons away to leave the program in a better place, kind of stabilize everything, I think is really important, not only for, for the program, but for their legacies as well. I just want to see them play loose. That's my big thing. Just play loose like you did in Hoover. Have fun with it. It's it's funny how that works. I mean, they were so loose in, in Hoover. It sounds so simple to say. It was oh, yeah, completely just play loose. different than what you'd seen out of this team all year. It's different from the team standpoint, but it's also different from a fan base standpoint. The, the Ole Miss Hoover fan base last year, this year, very rowdy, very loud, big numbers, lots of people. That's what baseball is supposed to be. And there, there's no nerves. Like, you know, that game on Sunday was stressful and it, it took forever. It was just a, a weird game. But at no point did it seem like things were getting tight or fans were going, oh, here we go again, going to blow this lead. No, there, it, was a, it was a weird game. It was a fun game. Lots of crazy stuff happened. Ole Miss just and, ran out of arms. That's what happens yeah, when you come from and, Tuesday. And the, but the fan base was just kind of, hey, this is here. We're going to go do this, and it's this is a fun. We're playing for a championship. That atmosphere has not carried over to Swayze Field. That atmosphere was not there last year in the regional. Last year, the regional was, oh, man, it's the fifth inning, and we're, it's a tie ball game, and everyone's tight, and it's quiet, and it's nervous, and it carried down to the, the team in the field. And it, it's um, – it's easier said than done to kind of package whatever they have at Hoover and bring it home. But I certainly hope that the fan base and the team both see how good that week in Hoover was from just an energy and looseness and enthusiasm standpoint and do the same thing as opposed to doing the same old stuff they did last year and freaking out and, and just getting all tight. So it's um that's probably more so than even the games. I'm kind of fascinated by what the atmosphere is going to be this weekend. It would help if the stadium DJ or whatever the hell Ole Miss calls him wouldn't play getting jiggy with it, Mambo number five, Sweet Caroline <laughs> constantly. And please, please put those solo cups in storage. No one responds to them at all. Go get yeah, a track athlete was, and do the freeze like the Braves. Yeah, the, the cups were fun at one point, but you only do that so often before it just kind of becomes stale. It was a great idea, but at some point you kind of got to change things up. And yeah. And it's weird. I don't know if the stuff they do in regionals where you can't play your walk-up songs and this kind of, I don't know if that's good for Ole Miss or bad for Ole Miss. I know it's dumb in general, but I'm just kind of fascinated to see kind of how things go and, and how when things show up on Friday night, what's the fan base like? What's the atmosphere like? What is just the general vibe of the of the stadium? You can That comes through pretty well on TV, and uh, last year was was not a good one. 
and you could tell from the very beginning that it just kind of felt kind of off. And hopefully everything that's gone on this year, hopefully that has changed. I had an argument one time in the press box with an Ole Miss administrative staffer, and he was arguing how Ole Miss had this atmosphere it had created, and people came to the ballpark for it. And my point was very simple. When you come to baseball, everything's the same all the time. There's no newness to it. The only change for you when you go to an Ole Miss baseball game is the product itself, and the result could be different, but not the actual environment mood in the stadium. If I have to hear peanut butter jelly time one more time, Mm -hmm. I might stick an ice pick through my (laughs) temple. It's bad. So mix it up, Ole Miss. Mix it up. That could help with the looseness. Don't just play the love is gone so you can have everybody fist pumping. That's great. You can do that, but don't then go to Sweet Caroline and peanut butter jelly and jiggy with it and mambo number. It's just it's my number. Yeah, there's a fine line, I think, between like repetition like and dullness and, and, and staleness. Yeah, there's a yeah, fine line between it's not even tradition. It's just like your usual game day stuff. And it works for a while, but there's a fine line to where it becomes kind of stale and old. And You don't play the same promotions at basketball. You don't play the same promotions at football. You mix it up. Do you have a barrel full of different promotions and recycle them? Yes, but mix it up. There's no mixing it up in baseball. I don't want to bitch about this. This is a great week for Ole Miss, and Ole Miss baseball fans are excited. Yes, this is Ben Garrett, cynical Ben Garrett, getting on a soapbox (laughs) and bitching about something inconsequential. It's just annoying. But end of the day, win some games, and no one's going to care about what you play yes, the, during the fourth inning of game two on Saturday yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, won't matter. But heed my advice, Ole Miss. Heed my advice. I feel like I am not alone. I feel like I am leading the majority who believe you should mix things up. Keith Carter's mixing things up. He's the new athletics director on an interim basis as Ross Bjork is headed to Texas A&M. And he's about to join us on the Chinese Pharmacy phone line. He's in Destin for the SEC meetings. Ben and I are going to talk about this alcohol discussion that's going about. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does modern woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk a Champion sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. 
football coming up in the fall, and of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Allen Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line, now interim Ole Miss Athletics Director, Keith Carter. Is it still weird to hear that, Keith? Is that strange for you? It is a little strange. And, and you know, being down in Destin and, and introducing myself to some people and, and using that title is uh, doesn't flow right off the tongue yet, but uh, but I, I like it. It's, it's going to be a good, a good thing. When did you find out that Ross was stepping down and going to Texas A&M, and when did you get the news that you were going to be the interim? Well, um, so last Thursday, I'd been in Hoover. We won the won the baseball game, and I was driving back to Oxford to get my wife and bring her back to, to Hoover on Friday. Uh, so I was home and, and got the call from Ross, and uh, you know, I, I didn't obviously know what was going on. And he uh, he told me the news, and, and I was as shocked as anyone, you know. Um, and then it, it kind of leaked about an hour later. That's when it all came out. But it's really Thursday nights when I when I knew that you know Ross was leaving and. Um, and then over the weekend, I had a couple of conversations with, uh, with Chancellor Sparks and, and, um, and then yesterday morning, he, he, uh, actually told me that it was going to be official. And, uh, certainly I was excited about that and receptive. And, uh, you know, from then, uh, from that point on, it's just been, there's been a lot of text messages, a lot of emails of support, which has been great. And trying to, trying to answer all those people haven't, haven't quite gotten there yet, but, uh, I will, I'll answer all of those. Um, uh, but then, you know, obviously being here in Destin, it adds another layer of, some legislative items that we needed to, to talk about and get, you know, caught up to speed on. So it's been an interesting, uh, you know, 24 hours or so, but uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and certainly very thankful uh, that uh, Chancellor Sparks has given me this opportunity. A lot to cover here, but first and foremost, you mentioned you're in Destin. You worked hand-in-hand hand with Ross on so many things, the number two in that office for quite some time. So has it been pretty easy stepping into the big AD job in Destin and what has been on the agenda in Destin? What different conversations have you had as the representation for Ole Miss and Dustin? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say easy. Um, like I said, there, there are several legislative items that, uh, that I worked with, uh, Lynette Johnson, Michael Thompson, Julio, and in compliance. It's it's been good, you know. Sitting in that room is, is certainly, uh, you know, I've been in that room the last, you know, four or five years. Coming down here with Ross and, and sitting in, obviously this morning, um, you know, being actually in the AD chair in the executive session. There's some some things there that I had not done before, but certainly understand kind of the drill and, and the way it works. But um, you know, when you actually have to raise your hand and say yes or no to, to, a, to an action item that you're voting on, uh, you know, it's a different dynamic. And uh, certainly, I, I you know, thank. Again, you know Michael and Lynette and and, uh, and Julie for kind of getting me up to speed on on that type of stuff. But um, it, it's good, Ben. You know, I think that um, you know having the the um, you know the history with Ole Miss and as you mentioned, Ross was so good. You know, as a leader to to, to let me and, and others kind of be in the in the room on a lot of conversations. And uh, certainly, you know, there's things that that we didn't know, but but a lot of these things that we're talking about down here, and you know, as we try to push Ole Miss athletics forward. Um, I think we're going to be able to just really keep keep going, you know, because he he was the type of leader that allowed us to to know what was going on and, and what we're trying to accomplish. He, he took a lot of our um, ideas and, and used those, and, and so certainly I think that we're going to just try to keep pushing forward and being aggressive. What are the big action items going down there in Destin? 
You know, they, I wouldn't say it's probably a, a big year as far as, you know, heavy hitting type things. Um, you know, one of the things that's going to be um, voted on by the chancellors, I believe, either tomorrow or, or on Thursday, um, is is bringing alcohol sales to, to venues. Um, that's going to basically be voted on here um, to then go to the campus level and let the campus make the individual decision for each campus. So. Um, that will either pass or not pass this week, and, and then it'll be on the campuses to decide, you know, whether or not they want to do it. That's probably the biggest item that's going to come out of out of Destin. Um, you know, there, there's several other things that are more on the the, the student athlete um, and, and kind of departmental side, but uh, but nothing really big this year. There's things with um, that are being voted on with uh, with player hosts and different things there, but. You know, not not as big, and, and I guess I'm kind of thankful for that. That you know, the year that I, I get appointed, there there aren't any you know heavy hitting items that uh, that make really the national or, or regional news. Where does Ole Miss stand on alcohol sales during games and all that kind of stuff? You know, I, I think that um, you know it, it's obviously one of those that that's kind of a, a, a touchy topic in, in some ways. Um, you know, there's there's both sides. There, there's there's um, you know evidence and 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 um, you know, uh, research on both sides that, that, that have some, some, um, you know, have some, have some weight, but I, you know, I think, I think that ultimately, um, it's probably going to pass. I mean, I, I don't know that for sure. Um, which would then again, you know, bring it to our campus and, and we would make that decision. And that's probably going to be a decision for Chancellor Sparks. And, um, you know, we'll just have to kind of see how that shakes out. But I think the first, the first step is to get it, get it passed here in Destin. Uh, bring it back to each individual campus, and from there we'll do some more assessment and and figure out if it's the right thing to do for our campus. Hey, you got to admit, man, as a basketball guy, having like a bar in the student section—that's the way to go. <laughs> well, Ben, I'm not sure that that's exactly the selling point for presidents down here this week, but uh, we might need to get you down here to you know to to try to sell that. Yeah, if you need a rep to just come in there and lobby for beer sales, <laughs> I'm your guy. So for Ole Miss athletics in general. Uh, what is the health of Ole Miss Athletics, the reserve fund, all those type of things? I know that you, you've got a lot of things to review yourself as you step into this role, but what, in your opinion, is the overall health of Ole Miss Athletics and the programs currently? Yeah, I think we're healthy, Ben. Um, you know, certainly we, we've taken a big hit over the last couple of years. You know, this will be the second year in a row that we don't get our full revenue share based on the, um, you know, the violations and, and the, uh, the NCAA case. So, um, you know, we've had to tap into that reserve fund. And, you know, I think for us, we wanted to make sure that, you know, our, our sports, our coaches, you know, they didn't see the effect of, of some of these, these penalties. And so what we had to do, we had to pull from reserves to, to make our budget whole. And, you know, it, it's, it's been good from that standpoint, but at the same point, it's, it's drain, drain that fund. So we're having to be creative. We're, we're trying to watch every dollar and, um, you know, I don't think we're, we're really any different than any other SEC school from that standpoint. You know, I think um, you talk to a lot of the other ADs, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to cut costs and cut expenses as well. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of revenue, but, you know, the expenses continue to go up, uh, go up too. So I think we're healthy. Um, you know, I think that as we, as we kind of come out of this, this, this troubling time with, with the NCAA and, and as we push forward, I feel like there's a lot of momentum. I feel like within our department, people, um, are excited to kind of get back to their day jobs of, of whether it be raising money or building facilities or, you know, helping student athletes uh, in, in the classroom. You know, we don't have that that dark cloud of the NCAA hovering over anymore. So I really feel like there's a lot of momentum, a lot of uh, great morale 
Um, and again, I, you know, I, I think that we're going to have the opportunity to continue to push forward. Uh, you know, obviously with uh, with baseball making a run, that's kind of sparked, you know, a lot of a lot of energy there. And, and I think as we get into the summer and get into fall fall camp for football, um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to keep pushing forward. Um, certainly, we know we have some challenges as do every uh, athletic department in our league, but uh, we're going to continue to push forward and be aggressive. You headed up fundraising. How is fundraising? You mentioned the excitement, especially around Ole Miss baseball making the run in Hoover, now hosting the Oxford Regional. And in that same vein, how are football ticket sales? You know, I think um, fundraising has been good. I I think we had a period there where people were in a little bit of a wait-and-see mode, and I think we've seen some of those people um, actually sign on the dotted line here in the last several months. You know, they're they're putting their pledges in and, and committing to gifts, and I think we're going to continue to see that grow. I really do. I mean, um, a lot of times when you're having, you know, kind of quote, quote unquote bad times, you know, those are the times when you got to continue to build relationships. But even though maybe the donor's not saying yes or or uh, you're making that gift at that time, um, you're building a relationship so that later on, you know, they will come back and do that. And I think we're starting to see some of that. Um, you know, football season ticket sales, we, we've got some work to do. Um, you know, we, we've, uh, we've in the, the latter stages of our online selection process. Uh, and once we finish that, we'll kind of assess where that, where that ends up with season ticket sales. Um, and then we'll probably start going out with some different packages and different things there. But, um, you know, I think that just really kind of the perfect storm of, of some things have, um, you know, cause us to have to do some extra work this year, but we're going to do it. And uh, I couldn't be more excited about, you know, getting into fall camp. Uh, spent the last couple of days here with Coach Luke, and, and he's really excited about, you know, his staff and his players and, and, and having a full roster and, and all of those things. So um, I'm excited about the fall. You know, I think obviously those those first several games will, will be crucial and, and exciting, and, uh, and I can't wait to get there. But um, I'm excited about everyone that we have kind of pulling the rope in the same direction. And, uh, you know, I think as we as we move forward, you know, our goal is going to be to push. We're not we're not going to tread water. You know, we want to push forward and be aggressive and, and you know, win games and, and be aggressive with facilities and, and all of those things. And um, that's that's how we're going to do it. When Larry offered you the job of interim, did it come with any restrictions or limitations? Or are you able to operate full on in any capacity you feel necessary? Is in are you the acting AD? Can you do everything that is required of an AD? There are no restrictions there. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say, you know, certainly, um, you know, as, as an interim, um, I'm probably going to lean a little heavily, more heavily on him. Um, if there are some, some larger decisions, some bigger decisions, but, um, you know, Larry, Larry, I've worked with him for, for 10 years and, and, you know, whether it be with, with debt financing for, for projects or, or different things, you know, with the budget, those type of things. And, and we work extremely well together. Um, I'm excited to, to work under his leadership, but um, I think he's going to give some autonomy to, to make decisions. And, and certainly he doesn't want us to, to take a step back. And, and that's, that's something we talked about at length. And, and he had mentioned that, you know, when he um, came in as the interim chancellor, he didn't want to take a step back. He wanted to take a step forward. And I think that's what we want to do here. We want to operate just like we're, you know, a normal functioning athletic department and, uh, you know, I think that that uh, that me and then you know, along with with our staff, I, I can't I can't be more happy and excited to work with our staff. And um, we got some really good people, and, and I think we're going to be able to uh, to keep pushing forward. Absolutely. What's at the forefront of the agenda for Ole Miss athletics right now? Is it the fundraising ticket sales? Is there any project or something like that that might be at the forefront? What's that for y'all right now? 
Well, the forefront is to, to win this regional this weekend. We want to do that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't be more, more excited about uh, what Mike and his team did over at Hoover. And, and really going into that tournament, you know, being a little bit dead in the water and, and to find that energy to push the right buttons and, and have that run. And, and obviously, you know, to host, it, it's very special in Oxford. So we're excited about that, first of all. Um, but, you know, for us, I think it is, you know, jumping on the, the football season ticket sales here, here in June and July as we lead into to fall camp. Um, you know, that's going to be something that we're going to put a lot of time and effort in and, um, you know, get Coach Luke and some of our players and, and, and assistant coaches, get them, you know, into the public and talk about, you know, this, this team and, and the exciting fall that we're going to have. But, um, you know, from a capital project standpoint, I, I don't think we have anything, you know, major at this point. Obviously not a pavilion, not a north end zone, not a baseball performance center, those type of things. But, but we do have several, um, you know, projects that are smaller in, in stature, um, you know, obviously projects that are that are in the seven seven figure range, a million to five million, those type of things. Um, and we just got to figure out what the priorities are. You know, we know we have some needs. Obviously, we have some financial, um, you know, things we've got to work through before we we just jump in on on new capital projects. But um, we're going to continue to to grow. Um, you know, we know that that there's some sports that that need some help and need some some help in facilities, and we're going to continue to do that. So we'll assess all that. And you know, again. You know, the, the fortunate thing for me is that I've, I've been able to sit in on a lot of those conversations about, you know, where we need to go and what's next. So we won't, we won't uh, alter that a lot. We'll just continue to, to monitor things and, and assess things, and uh, we're going to continue to be aggressive with it. But, uh, you know, we know that we've got some, some things we've got to work through as well. Is there anything approach-wise that you'll do differently to Ross, as in maybe not necessarily disagreeing with how you approach things, but putting your own spin on things, being the person in charge, the Keith Carter flair. Is there anything approach wise that you'll do differently? You know, I think everybody's style is a little bit different. Um, you know, Ross, uh, I can't say enough good things about him and, and you know, the way uh, he led our department, the way he allowed us to, to be a part of decision-making, you know, I, I'm, I'm like that as well. I'm not a micromanager. I want people to, to do their jobs and, and, and feel like they, uh, they have autonomy to do their jobs. Um, but you know, I would say our personalities are a little bit different. He's probably a little more reserved than I am. So I'm, I'm sure that people may see, you know, our leadership style being a little bit different, but, um, but, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to totally come in and try to reinvent the wheel. I think we've got some great things going on. We've been through some hard times, but I feel like we're coming out of that. And, uh, I really do feel like, that there's a there's a new a new feeling whether it be internal whether it be external when talking to donors, um, you know I think that's one thing that 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 I hopefully can uh, can capitalize on is just my relationship with donors having spent time with them and, uh, over the last ten years you know I, I feel like I know a lot of Ole Miss people obviously and we want to rally the troops you know we're we're going to raise money we're going to have good morale we're going to pull the rope the same way and and I think that um, you know hopefully with with me and, and my my background at Ole Miss, I, I can be the person to do that, but but certainly it's going to take all of us within the department, um, and we're excited about it. It's a six- to eight-month job interview for you, Keith. Do you view it that way? Do you want to be the full-time AD? Is that interesting to you? It is. I mean, the short answer is yes. It's it's very interesting, um, but I was telling some people earlier, like, I, I don't want to come to work every day thinking about what can I do today to get the permanent AD job. Right. You know, that, that's not how I operate. I, I, I want to come to work. I want to do, do a great job. I want to work with our, you know, our students and our coaches and, and our staff and um, our fans and our donors. You know, I, I want us all to be doing this thing together. And, 
I'm, I'm kind of old school in a lot of ways, but one of them is that I feel like if you're doing a great job with what you're doing, you don't have to lobby for things. You don't have to go and, 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 and try to get things. People are going to notice that. So um, I just want to come in and work hard, and, and I feel like I've uh, you know, I've got the background and I've got the, the institutional knowledge to come in and, and step in right away and, and hopefully continue things. But, uh, but, you know, Ole Miss is a very special place to me. Um, you know, it's a place that um, – you know, I'm growing to love a lot, and um, you know when Larry asked me to to serve, I, you know I jumped on it right away, um, and it's something that I want to do a great job, whether it's you know for six months or or 20 years, I, I want to do a great job with it, and and uh, and do everything I can to help you know our, our great university. I ask that because Larry has made it clear that he is not interested necessarily in being the full time chancellor. That there's a chancellor search going on, he's in it for an interim basis. So I got to ask you this. Have y'all heard anything about the chancellor search? Is there any communications there with the IHL, uh, those guys that are doing the search as far as where they are, maybe how close they are to a hire, anything like that? You know, I, I haven't heard really probably much more than, than the public's heard. You know, I obviously you know, saw the announcement after the IHL meeting last week about, you know, Ford Dodge sharing the committee, and um, which I think is a, is a great, a great choice. Um, but don't know a whole lot more, obviously, in the very beginning stages of, of that process. And, um, you know, I think that it, it's, a, it's a very important decision, obviously. You know, we've got to, we've got to find the right, the right person to come in and, and lead our university. And, um, you know, I'm excited about, about the, the thoughts of that. And, and certainly, I think, as I've been out you know, on the road talking to donors, I think that, that um, kind of the uncertainty and, and it's led people to, to maybe take a step back. And, and I think if we can get the right person to come in and, you really be the person that can can sell our university, can believe in our university, put that vision out there. Um, it's just going to be great for everyone. So, uh, I, I you know I couldn't be more excited about the process and and you know, excited to get somebody in place. And you know from an athletic standpoint, we'll see how everything you know shakes out after that person's hired. But uh, you know being an alumnus and, and being a person that that does care about about Ole Miss, that's that's an important hire. So I'm excited to see where that's going to end up. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. As far as the challenges you face over this trial run as AD, I would assume that for a university that's had so much turnover the last couple of years, just easing concerns, showing people that this isn't a place where there's no leader, that you guys are the caretakers and you care about it, that's probably the greatest challenge out there for you, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we certainly, you know, we, we don't have, you have a little bit of that void of leadership. Um, from a permanent standpoint, obviously, I, I think Larry's doing an incredible job and, and is the right person to be there right now. Um, but yeah, we, we've heard that on the road song that, you know, we, we who's the chancellor going to be and, and what's the process going to be. And, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we just don't have the answer. And so I think for us, as, as we kind of get toward the end of that process and find out who that person is going to be, um, you know, that's really going to help really in all facets of, of what we're trying to do. But, you know, I do think that, you know, from Larry, his interim status, my interim status, I, I think that we have, um, you know, some folks in place that can continue to, to grow the university, be aggressive, um, you know, do things that, that, um, that hopefully the new chancellor and whoever the new AD is, they'll want to continue the things that, that we're doing right now. So um, I, I think that it's, it's a good opportunity, um, but I, I do think that getting the chancellor hired is, is huge because, um, you know, we need that stability. We need somebody that's going to come in. He's going to be the right person. He's going to want to stay at Ole Miss and, and, and grow it. So I'm excited about that. And uh, like I said, however the chips fall in athletics, uh, we'll, we'll find out. But you do get to move out of the tad pad and into the big office, right? 
<laughs> you know, um, my Come wife on. was actually That's that's one of the benefits that. of the job, and right, Keith? I guess. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'll have to get back to. I'll have to get back to Oxford and figure all that out. Um, you know, Catherine Thornton, who is Ross's assistant, um, was texting me this morning, and she's like, "Hey, I guess I'm your assistant now." And I said, "Well." There Never really had an assistant, but that's great, you know. So, um, but now we'll we'll figure all that out, and certainly I'll I'll be over in the main athletics building uh, a lot, and probably spend most of my time there. But you know, I, I I've got obviously a uh, I love my folks over in the foundation, and you know, working with them daily has been great, and uh, certainly don't want to lose that those you know those relationships, and and we'll have to pay close attention over there as well. But uh, those those minor details we'll have to still figure out. Well, as far as and this is the last one conversations with the coaches kermit mike matt in this transition to you as the ad that they'll be answering to what have those conversations been like and have they been pretty easy to deal with as far as uh, just the conversations you've had with them they, they've been great they've been great you know obviously i work very closely with kermit very closely with mike have known have known coach luke since you know our freshman year in 1995 so um, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where, and again, this, this goes back to Ross and, and kind of his leadership style. He allowed us to, to interact with coaches and he allowed us to spend time with, with staff and, and those types of things. So, um, and then, you know, just through development, I've, I've had the coaches with donors and, and those types of things. So I think the relationship side there was good. Um, you know, they, they were very supportive, you know, throughout the weekend. And, and as, as this thing kind ha- you know, finally happened yesterday, um, they've been very supportive and, and I look forward to, to working with them even more. Um, you know, it's one of those things you've got to have great relationships with your coaches. Um, that's where it starts. And, and then, you know, you go from there and, and, and things can be really good, but, but I, I think we have great coaches. I think we have guys that, that want to win. They want to do it the right way. And, uh, I can't, you know, I'm really, really excited to, uh, to spend more time with them and, and get to know them better. But, um, you know, that's kind of where it starts with, with your coaches and, and their vision for their program. So, uh, really excited about that. He's Keith Carter, Ole Miss Interim Athletics Director, stepping in for Ross Bjork. Thanks for doing this, man. I spoke to Keith in Hoover before you even learned about being named interim and said, oh, you're going to be the interim. I knew it was going to happen. It was more than just sourcing. You're the slam dunk choice to be the interim AD, Keith, and I'm, I'm happy for you. I know you do a hell of a job. Thanks for coming on, and best of luck with it. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate the time. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. That was Ole Miss Interim Athletics Director Keith Carter. Every question I thought you would want answered, I hope I got in there. For me, the biggest takeaway is this. Yes, he wants the job. And yes, he does look at this, like many do, as a six to eight month job interview. Now, a number of different candidates are interested in this job. Who's going to hire that person? No one knows. That chancellor's not in place. You got to get the chancellor done. That probably isn't going to get done until the fall. October at the earliest was the last I heard. Maybe by November, December. Brad Teague's interested. Charlie Hussey's interested. John Hartwell, 100% interested. There are others involved as well. But Keith Carter's going to get consideration. And I don't know what he has to do, Bennett, to get the job. What could he do to endear himself? He's already a fan favorite. He's Keith Carter. He's one of the greatest basketball players in Ole Miss basketball history. 
But what can he do as an athletics director on an interim basis to get that job full time, to get fans to believe he deserves that opportunity? I think it's tough because I'm not sure there's a whole lot he can do. This is Ole Miss is not stable right now. But um, if you're to believe that Ole Miss football has kind of figured something out with their formula of Matt Luke in year three, um, Rich Rod as offensive coordinator, Mike McIntyre as defensive coordinator, if you believe that they're going to take a step and that football is going to be better and win six or seven games and stabilize, I think that goes a long way. And he won't have anything to do with that besides being the guy that's in charge while that happens. Um, and then basketball is stable and baseball is kind of it's a weird deal, but they're stable for now. I think really the thing that he has to do is connect on a personal level. The thing about Ross Bjork, whether you thought he was very good or awful, is that by the end of his tenure, people were tired of hearing him talk. And the what, the things that he said, they didn't believe him. And there was just a lack of trust there. And I think the biggest thing for Keith is going to be projecting a persona and talking to people and creating that trust again. And whenever he comes out and says something, have the first reaction not be a rolling of eyes or tuning out or whatever. And I think that's the biggest thing for him is just to kind of get people back excited, create some trust, get people to buy back into Ole Miss athletics from a financial standpoint. It's a lot of stuff that you're not going to really see on the surface, but it's one of the, it's also those things that you can kind of tell talking to people behind the scenes, whether those are going well, not going well. So I think that's the biggest thing for him. It's just kind of project some stability. This thing has been chaotic for years and years now. So a quiet six to nine months with him in charge, I think goes a long way and just kind of getting back to normal. Um, like most athletic departments run, almost has not been normal for a long time. So normal is good if he can get there. I told Ross Bjork straight up. There's a segment of this fan base you're never winning back. Never going to get him back. For sure. Whether, whether that's fair or not, you're not getting him back. I think that Ross did a better job than many thought he did, but I completely sympathize with those who took every issue with how the NCAA stuff went, how they felt misled by some of Ross's statements. And all of these things I vocalized with Ross. We had a very open relationship. He's a good dude. I enjoyed working with him. Hope he does great things at Texas A&M. Have no doubt he'll do great things at Texas A&M. But it, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. What Keith could do more than anything else, project confidence and project a genuine nature about you. That what you're saying is what you're going to do. Now, Ross was hamstrung in many ways. Couldn't say some things he wanted to say. Couldn't do some things he wanted to do. Keith, in many respects, is unencumbered in that. He doesn't have to sure. guard against the things he says or the things he does. He just has to make the best decision. The decision that is the conviction of his gut. And then he has to live with it. It is the thing about the, that Keith has that Ross doesn't, and this is not fair to Ross, but it's just the luck of the draw that Keith has is he has such a relationship with Ole Miss going back a long time. There's a lot of goodwill there. So he's got more rope to kind of say what he wants and do what he wants. Obviously, you're an interim basis. You can't do – there's a line to, where, to what you can do and what you can't. But I think Keith feels more – can feel more emboldened knowing that he has a relationship with so many people here for so long um, as opposed to Ross who came in from Western Kentucky and then the whole thing was just chaotic from the very beginning basically. So 
Uh, and I, th- I think another thing for in Keith's favor is that if basketball has a season that we think that they can potentially have and be a back end top 25 team and a team that finishes high in the SEC and goes back to the tournament and potentially six round for the second weekend, everybody knows that Keith had a pretty big hand in, in hiring Kermit and was a, a big part of that process. And if Kermit goes out and has a big season, that's going to benefit Keith and that's going to look well for him. And so I think basketball doing well really helps him. But the the big thing is just don't do anything dumb. Don't get in Twitter fights with people. Just don't do any of the dumb stuff that Ole Miss people are tired about and and just kind of run this as a professional athletics department, project confidence and create relationships and create some trust and just get, get back to the day to day that that has not existed for years and years now. Stay the hell off of Twitter. Just do it. And I know already already, yeah. he already had a little bit of an incident. I guess a kid, <laughs> I saw that. one of his kids got a hold of his phone and tweeted some things, or maybe he got hacked. I don't know. The first bit of advice, unsolicited advice from Ben Garrett, Keith Carter, get off of Twitter. But I will say this: I wrote a story, the oral history of the hire that led to Kermit Davis. Bennett edited that story. He read over it. He's my second pair of eyes whenever I write one of these long-form stories. He's accepted this responsibility. He knows <laughs> it's coming, but he read it. And if you read that story, if you haven't, go to the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, for the 247 Sports. But if you read that story, you saw the significant role that Keith Carter played in hiring Kermit Davis. He was actively involved in that search. He and Ross Bjork were the two-man team that went out and interviewed candidates that led the search firm, that got the information, gathered it, and sat down and vetted and interviewed these coaches. He was important. So keeping Kermit Davis happy was important, but so was Mike Bianco and Matt Luke, all those guys, and all those guys from every bit of information I've gotten. I've talked to a few of them, actually, about Keith getting the interim job. Couldn't be more thrilled. They trust Keith, and they trusted Ross, but if Ross was going to leave, there was a no-brainer decision to be made about who would be the interim. It's Keith Carter. Has to be the guy. A benefit for him is the goodwill he already carries as being Keith Carter. I compare it like this. Houston Nutt sucked as a football coach, <laughs> but he could have run for mayor his first and second year at Ole Miss because of the person he replaced. Do I think Ross Bjork is Ed Orgeron of athletics directors? Absolutely not. I think Ross, again, did a hell of a lot better job than many want to give him credit for. But I do sympathize with the criticisms. I understand them many of which I share with you, the Ole Miss fan. Just like Hugh Freeze replacing Houston Nutt, Keith Carter's in that position. Do I think that Ross Bjork is Houston Nutt? No, but he was never going to win back a certain segment of the fan base. So if you're Keith, if you can go out there, not just project confidence, not just project a genuine nature about you, but get some things done. You're known for your fundraising. So if you can go out there and convince people to come to the stadium, get those season football ticket sales up to a respectable number, that's an accomplishment. If you can go out there and keep this athletics department running smoothly and being a a calming presence in what many consider a storm of a lack of leadership at this university, that will only do well for you. Do I think Keith's going to get the permanent job? Probably not. The chancellor coming in is going to make that decision for himself. But I think Keith can make it a hell of a lot harder to tell him he's not going to be the athletics director by doing the job I think he can do. Yeah, and I think so much of this, and this is unfair to Keith, so much of of what 
some people will judge not really him on, but the atmosphere around the program during his tenure will be what football does this this off this fall. If football is bad and this thing craters and it's three and nine or four and eight or whatever, and the the hires didn't work and it looks like Matt Luke is not turning things around. I think Keith's in a really tough spot um, because there's there's already an appetite for change for football. Not maybe a large one, but there, it's there. And if the season goes poorly, it's going to be bigger. We'll see what happens with baseball this weekend. God forbid if they were to lose another regional, there's going to be a lot of appetite for change there. And I think that's a really tough spot for him to be in with no chancellor above him. And as an interim AD – there's only so much you can do, um, but you're, at that point, you're just trying to put duct tape on a bunch of holes and, and make it last. But on the other hand, football does well. Baseball makes a super regional. Basketball does what it does. Things kind of stabilize, and the big three are kind of set, and softball is doing well, and uh, golf is doing well. At that point, things kind of just kind of run themselves and he gets back to doing the day-to-day of fundraising and, and building back up that rainy day fund that Ross talked about and stuff like that. And that, that I think is his avenue to getting the job full time. But so much of that is depends on stuff out of his control, which is results on the athletic field. He can't control that, but if they go, if they do well, he'll get credit for it. And if they don't, he won't be knocked for it, but he's going to have to deal with the fallout from that. And that makes it difficult to kind of get the job. He has to do all that. There was no person more happy with Ross Bjork leaving for Texas A&M than Mike Smith. Mike Smith would not have been the head coach of Ole Miss softball in a year or two if Ross would have still been here. I think that relationship was fractured beyond repair. So Mike Smith staying and keeping this softball in the trajectory it's currently on, a national contending trajectory, Ole Miss fans wouldn't have been cool with that had Mike Smith been gone. So that's one thing to keep in mind here. Look, Mike Bianco isn't going anywhere. Keith, as he said in the interview, is going to have full autonomy to do what he wants. So in the fall, if football goes poorly, you want to assert yourself? If you have full autonomy, you can make that move if you feel it's necessary. Do I think that would be fair for Matt Luke? That's a complicated question and not one I'm really at liberty to discuss at length right now. But if Keith determines that that's the course and direction in which he needs to follow, are you going to do it? Are you the guy leading the search? Right. Who's a part of your search party? Are you going to be able to walk into a room with head coaching candidates and then take you seriously? How does he assert himself? It's it's not even about them taking you seriously. I think as as more of it's this is a big time job and to it's a top fifteen job. Period. It's, it's a big-time job, and with that comes a lot of responsibility. And you're going out and hiring a coach, and they're coming and moving their families here, and they're kind of setting up something for the long term. They want to and know who so they're I, working for. Exactly. That's that's the big thing. If it goes bad, and it's so bad that there's no one in the seats, and they got to make a change, and there's just no way about it, um, he has the authority to do that, but man, going out and trying to hire a coach and the coach being like, okay, so you're my guy. And Keith says, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, for now. And then it's like, all right, well, who's above you? Like who runs the thing? I don't know. And then they hire a chancellor. Is he going to have connections to somewhere and bring in an AD from somewhere over there? That is how I think it gets really complicated for Keith. 
if it were to go down that road. I don't think it will. I, I think football is going to be improved, and it may not be great, but I don't think it's going to be bad enough to justify making a change. But if we're just talking hypotheticals here, that is the road of how things become very difficult for for it to manage. And at that point, there's so much on his plate as an interim AD that I just don't think it's fair to him. So that scenario, I think, is really tough going out to try hire a, a head coach in football, knowing that you're an interim AD with an interim chancellor. And there's really a huge vacuum of power at the university right now. For Keith, I think it's a uh, exciting time for him, obviously, but it, I'm sure there are scenarios where this becomes a very nerve-wracking six, nine, 12 months, whatever the tenure is. I think football is going to be improved too. I'll go on the record and say they're going to a bowl. I think they'll be better. But here's the thing. This Destin stuff, the number one item on the agenda, alcohol sales. Ole Miss has got to be a yes. It has to be. Greg Sankey out there saying, I don't know if that's going to be a boost to season ticket sales. Just just shut up. Just shut up and vote for beer. Vote for I mean, beer that people can buy in a stadium. But that's not going to change attendance. You want to change yeah. attendance? Make it more immersive. Really put it at the front of the agenda. Pace of play in football. Speed the games up. No one wants to be there for five and a half, six hours. Ole Miss basketball has the best atmosphere of any sport on campus. And the most important aspect of that atmosphere is a two-and-a-half-hour game experience. Not just the promotional stuff and the game itself. It's short. Why would I want to spend five hours in the stadium, two hours beforehand, two hours afterwards, stuck in traffic or being in the Grove waiting for traffic to dissipate, when I can sit comfortably in my chair, on my couch, watching on my 65-inch 4K TV, and then when it's over, whether I'm mad or I'm happy, I can go throw a steak on the grill. Make it more immersive, make it faster, and figure out your replay system. Beer is a no-brainer. It's absurd to think that you have to go to a sporting event and hide your alcohol. And if you're looking for revenue streams, make beer available. Have a dude walking up and down the stands. Beer, beer, $5. It's easy, slam dunk money. We're all adults here. No 10-year-old kid's going to be buying beer. (laughs) Who are you protecting? And like I know that college football is different from like an atmosphere standpoint. With that said, like the people that are like, oh, there's just gonna be drunk people everywhere. Like, no, people are just gonna have a beer. We go to baseball games all the time. You can go to baseball, go to a Braves game, have a couple beers, enjoy yourself, go home, not act like an idiot. And that's going to the same thing's going to happen if this passes, which I think it should. People will be fine. Will there be people that abuse it? Sure, but that's going to happen with anything. It's not going to be some miracle fix for attendance as a whole. That th- that fix does not exist anymore. That this is all in the era of television and all this kind of stuff. The the big numbers of attendance aren't coming back. But what you can do is make the experience better for the people that do come to your games. And that's how this really affects things, I think. Yes, it's another revenue stream, and, and yes, that's a big deal. But the, at the end of the day, the smart people are thinking about how to make things premium experiences and to how to make things feel more immersive, like you said. And this is how you do it. You you create amenities for the people that do come to your games and to make the, those people come, make sure they have a good time, spend a little bit more money, and make sure they're going to come back next week. So that's, that's how this would work, and I, I think it's a great idea and it needs to pass and – it would just really surprise me if this big kind of revenue opportunity didn't 
didn't come down the pipe. So I think it should definitely happen. It's completely nonsensical to tell adults they can't buy alcohol at football games, basketball games, baseball games. That's idiotic, beyond idiotic. Yes, some people will abuse it. But in every walk of life, there are people who abuse things. It's why not legalizing weed is dumb. You want to clear out your overpopulated prisons? Get rid of nonviolent offenders who got put in prison for 10 to 15 years for an ounce of weed. It's weed. No one gets a DUI for weed. And alcohol is something everyone has easy access to. You can go buy it in the, in, in the grocery store, in the gas station. Put it in a red cup and sneak it into the game. This is dumb. There's already drunk people walking around the stadium. Too many. You know what you can actually do? You know what you can do? Same thing with weed. If you legalize and allow alcohol sales in stadiums, you can regulate it. You can control it. You can have a cutoff period. You know how many people are actually going to abuse it? No one will bring their own beer anymore outside of being in the Grove. They'll know I can get as toasted as I want to get in the Grove and then walk into the game and have more beer. They'll have it out there. So you cut off beer sales in the middle of the third quarter. Let everybody sober up till they go get drunk eating in the Grove. The idea that fully functioning adults can't drink alcohol watching long, exhausting, hot football is beyond stupid. If I'm sitting here laying on my couch or in my chair watching a football game on my big-ass 65-inch 4K TV, not mine, I don't have one of those, but you get what I'm saying. If I'm watching it, You don't think every football fan in America that likes beer isn't drinking a beer? You're worried about experience. You're worried about putting butts in the seats. Give the people what they want. I don't know why we overcomplicate these things. There have been places now that have beer. I know Ohio State does. I think West Virginia does, places like that. And it's gone well. There hasn't been any big issues there. And it's not going to be some miracle fix for your – for your money streams or your, you know, your attendance or whatever. But it's just another, this is an easy home run thing to do something for the people that do come to your games, that show up, that are loyal. This takes one step of hassle out of their lives on a Saturday and makes this easier for them. And another thing for Ole Miss, they've had this issue of people not coming to the games on time. Well, if you can buy beer in the stadium, you don't have to stay in the Grove for an extra 10 minutes drinking a beer before you go, you can just go ahead and get there early, buy one there, you'll be fine. So old Miss's issue of trying to get people from the Grove to the stadium is partially fixed by having this pass as well. So it, it's a it's a home run for Ole Miss. It's a home run for the SEC. It makes too much sense, which means it'll probably get shut down. So whatever. The SEC is so stupid. The idea that it means more, it's so sanctimonious. It's football. It's sports. We've seen from the dumbass stuff that has happened in this Ole Miss-Mississippi State rivalry that it does mean more, but that's not necessarily a good thing. So it's just – this whole thing is just ridiculous. Just wipe away the facade that this means anything other than mindless, dumb entertainment. Pay the players. It's allow for people to drink beer. And it's a a money-making venture. Like they're just rolling hand over fist money-wise. So it, this just seems really, very simple. And um, the, the fact that they're having serious meetings about this and Destin and all this kind of stuff, 
this seems very simple and very easy and something that something that should pass and get instituted and it'll work just fine. We have beer at concerts and sporting events, professional sporting you events. You have and all it sorts literally everywhere else. You let you let students bring it to baseball games, for God's sake. So the fact that you can do that, but you can't go buy one from Ole Miss at a football game seems very crazy to me. It seems like such a slam dunk that, like I said earlier, maybe it's just too much of a slam dunk and people freak out and they don't do it. But other conferences have done it. It's worked well. The SEC should do it as well. Ole Miss should do it as well. The and SEC, what they're going to do is they're going to say campuses can decide for themselves. Schools can decide for themselves. And that's what they should do. Liberty yeah, University is not going to sell beer at its football games. Okay, Ole Miss should. Obviously, beer, alcohol, is such an important component to your atmosphere. The Grove is celebrated. I mean, be like New Orleans. Put a bar in the student section. You already have a great student section. Let them get lit and watch them go crazy. It'd be great. It's so obvious. I didn't realize that alcohol sells at college sporting events <laughs> was such a trigger for me. Sorry. <laughs> you're, you're all about the common sense stuff that people overcomplicate and that oh. you just are kind of straight to the point. Yeah, you've been a friend uh, of mine for a long time. You, you, know how I, you know how I am. You know how yeah, I am. you're not wrong here, though, at all. <sighs> all right, that's it. It's been Talk of Champions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Keith Carter for coming on. Appreciate it. He's a good dude. I think he'll do yeah, a great job. Very good. Yeah, I, I'm, excited. I'm happy for him. Um, everybody that knows him has great things to say. It maybe is not the, the ideal situation with everything going on, but I, I think he'll do well, and uh, I, I think Ole Miss will be better off having Keith in that interim role um, than they were coming in. So I think he'll do well. And I think he's going to make it hard for them to not give him the job. That's my take. That's what I think. We'll see. There are going to be a lot of good candidates. Get that chancellor hired first. Ole Miss just, God, get away from the IHL any way you can. I don't know how you do it. Maybe I'll find somebody that can be an expert in that area. Tell me how Ole Miss can get away from the IHL. I have no idea. That'd be the first step. That'd be the best thing. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip at Ben at Hip. Thanks to Keith Carter. Be back next week. Going to have a The Night is Dark and Full of Spoilers finale, the last one ever with Maester Daniel, probably on Thursday. I watched, uh, before we go, I watched the finale of your of your Dragon show. I watched it. I watched the last two episodes, actually. So Yeah, you picked two of the worst episodes ever. I was, I, I was very underwhelmed. And I, I mean, As I, you should I, have I been. I was, yeah. I was I was very underwhelmed. I don't know. We'll we'll talk off air later, but uh, I was very underwhelmed. Well, you know my thoughts about it. You know where I stand I on this. Yeah, I do. You don't have to even ask. We don't even have to talk about <laughs> it. You know how I'm going to feel about it. So, all the fans of the night is dark and full of spoilers. Thank you so much for listening to that show. It's been insane the numbers we've gotten on that show. Just me and Maester Daniel talking about Thrones. It's been fun. It really has. It's been a chore the last two years talking about a show that turned terribly, terribly bad, but. It's been fun, nonetheless, to sit there and talk to Maester Daniel and to have all of you respond and engage in it. So I appreciate it. So I'll get you one more. Y'all ask for it. So we'll do it. The Oxford Regional this weekend. Back next week. Thanks, man. Absolutely.